Welcome to the Branches Podcast. Following the lead of Jesus, we seek to embrace people regardless of their background or their present ground in the hope they find holy ground. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about the reckless love of Jesus or our community of faith, please visit our website at branchesoc.com. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who, and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah, and he brought him to Jesus. Good job, Desmond. All right, can you guys hear me? Can you hear, you can't hear me? Can you hear me now? Now? That's better? All right, cool. I've never had to use one of these before. Super in my comfort zone right now. All right, I would like to invite up um, all of our kiddos that are in the crowd to come and sit with me on stage, if you like. You don't have to, but I'm gonna share a little story with you if you guys wanna come up. You wanna come, Miss Madeline? I'll show you where to sit. I know, it's kind of scary. Here, you guys want to sit right here? There you go. Good stuff. I'm going to stand right here. So if you guys want to sit here and then look at me. Awesome. Hi, Mr. Maka. Come sit right here. Good job. Oh, I actually am going to steal that. Thank you. It's got all my... Oh, you guys are going to... Come on, sit down. You guys are awesome. Here, come on back here, you guys. Let's scooch on over. Can you guys actually turn and face me? Because I can't. I don't want to fall off the stage, and I probably will. Yeah, I need all that. Thank you. Thank you. All right. All right. Can you guys turn and face me? Make sure this one is working. Hello. Can you test this for me? Hello? Test, test. There we go. Good stuff. All right, you guys. Well, I am so excited to have you up here because today is graduation Sunday. It is a super, super special day. Does anyone know what the word graduation means? Okay, wait, wait. I, okay, Mr. Daly. You're moving up to a next grade. That is so right. Okay, hold on. We'll all have turns to talk. That's right, it means we're moving up to a next grade, right? Sometimes you move from third to fourth grade, and that's a pretty good jump, right? But then sometimes we make bigger jumps from like preschool to elementary school, right? I love it. And sometimes we go from elementary to junior high. And sometimes with that change, even though it's exciting, it can be kind of scary, right? Yeah, because we have to like make new friends and new teachers and all that stuff, right? Well, today I want to tell you a story about an animal, okay? 
that helps me remember to do something very important when I'm afraid, actually. Now, I have a picture. Okay, you guys. Eyes, eyes and ears on me, okay? I have a picture. I'm going to show it to you. And on the count of three, if you know the name of this ostrich, I just want you to say it one time. Oh, whoops. If you know the name of this animal, one, two, three. Ostrich. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Thank you. Perfect. Thank you. All right. I specifically want to tell you about the ostrich when it's protecting its babies and what it's really bad at and what it's really good at. Okay? So, not many people know that ostriches have a really terrible sense of direction. So, with a raise of your hand, does anyone know what it means to have a bad sense of direction? Okay, Taya. Taya, here. Um, you don't really know where you're going? Yes, exactly. You get lost, right? Well, ostriches, if they take their eyes off of their babies for even like a minute, they lose them, right? So they're like, oh my gosh, this ostrich is just all over the place. Like, where do my babies go? So the ostriches, I'm going to be an ostrich, sits on its eggs, right? <laughs> sits on its eggs, okay? But sometimes in the wild, there are dangers, right? Like lions. Do you think that ostrich is going to sit on those eggs when there's danger all around? No, it's going to get eaten. It's got to protect itself. So I'm going to show you what it does. Okay, listen. Ready? Let's listen. The ostrich stands up, and it runs backwards into the bushes. I'm so sorry. Runs backwards into the bushes, right? And then it hunkers down. And the whole time, it stares at its eggs. It never takes its eyes off of its eggs. And when the danger has passed, it stands up, and it runs back, and it sits on its eggs, and it waits. So it protects itself. It protects its eggs. So here's where I'm going to tell you what an ostrich is really good at. Ooh, Do you want to guess? You can guess, Shep. Running. Running, yes. I don't know, probably. No, an ostrich is really good at keeping its eyes on the most important thing in its life, his babies, his eggs. I'm going to take it to the back so you're going to be able to touch it. But I want to tell you that for me, when I'm going into a new place, like up here, I have to remember to keep my eyes on Jesus. That is the most important thing in my life every day. But how do I do that? I mean, he's not really standing right here, right? How do I keep my eyes on him? Does anyone know what this is? A Bible. You guys are so smart. Well, this is a special Bible, and in it are all kinds of stories about Jesus' life, right? And when we read it, we learn that Jesus spent time talking to God every day, that he loved people, he was kind to them, right? We learn all these things. And so if I keep my eyes on Jesus, and I learn what he did, and then I turn around and I do those things in my new class, I have a much better time, and I make new friends. So I'm going to read, just before we finish, one more minute, guys, this scripture from the book of Hebrews, and it's what God says we should do to keep our eyes on, on him. Okay, ready? It's Hebrews chapter 12, verses 2 and 3, and it says, okay, listen, ready? Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed, that exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything, anything, 
cross, shame, whatever. Oh, and now he's there in the place of honor, right alongside of God. When you find yourselves flagging in your faith, when you're getting scared, right? You go over that story again and you look at Jesus, item by item, that long litany of hostility, the things he went through, right? Death on a cross, right? I mean, that's, oh my gosh. That will shoot adrenaline into your souls. It will make you excited. It will help you just every single day. So who here, when they leave, is going to remember to be like an ostrich? Just a couple of you? Can you remember to be like an ostrich and keep your eyes on God? The most important thing in the whole wide world? Amen. Okay, I am going to actually... Um, does anyone want to close us in prayer before we head back? Hmm? All right, Simone, come on. Uh, thank you. Come up here with me, Miss Simone. All right, you guys. Simone's going to pray for us, so let's fold our hands, close our eyes. There you go, Miss. Um, dear God, for um, um, making us dinner and pray for um, everything in the world that you've made for us, and that um, and that um, you made everything that we need in the whole world. Amen. Oh my gosh. How about these kids today? This is awesome. Good girl. All right, you guys, take a couple minutes, greet each other, and then they're going to get set on stage. And for us, we get to go to the back. So do you want to stand up and we'll, we'll wait for our teachers and walk out this door? All right. Good morning. We were just wondering how we lost that entire section and then we think it was filled with dads. Except for Jim. Jim holding down the fort. All right. So we, uh, this is Youth Sunday, and um, a few years ago, actually I don't really know how long ago it was, my friend just recently told me about this. My friend lives in Santa Barbara, he drove down, and they came with their family on a Youth Sunday, and they ended up inviting other friends, and I think they lived somewhere in the area, and they came, and they sat in through a Youth Sunday, and so at the end of it, they came to him and said, so... That, what was that? And they're like, oh, was it you Sunday? Oh, well, we didn't get anything out of that. And I thought, huh. They didn't. However, we don't come to worship to get something out of it. We have people that will sometimes come to our church, leave it in another church because they want to come get something that they feel like they weren't getting at their church. Or we'll have people from here go to another church because they feel like, well, I'll get a little bit more if I do that. When we gather to worship, it's all the little churches, meaning all these small groups of men and women that meet together, whether just the men, just the women, or the men and women mixed, or the kids and the youth, we come together to worship. And to worship means to please God. And when we gather on a youth Sunday, we are doing the same thing that we do on any other Sunday, coming, saying, okay, Lord, what would you have me hear? What would you have me do? How can I please you? Not just this morning by giving you honor and glory, but how can I live my life in such a way that brings you honor and glory? So this morning, what we're doing in this panel is um, we, we have some scriptures, and then we, I sent them out some uh, questions to kind of wrestle with, and then we got together this morning way too early for us, especially the teenagers, um, and we discussed where we were headed this morning. And our focus this morning is to try to open up our eyes to what does it mean to help the kids 
to come to Jesus. Jesus did not have, that we know of, any kind of marriage ministry. He didn't have a uh, women's ministry they focused on. He didn't have a special mission trips that he was doing to care for the poor. He didn't like pick out these individual groups. However, we do know that several times in the Gospels, as it looked through his life, that he was very specific about the kids. He would say that the kids are important. And if they're important to Jesus, then it needs to be important to us. So it really isn't, it never is meant to be that way on a Sunday morning or on these retreats. It's not meant to be a time where we see what we can get out of it, but where we come and go, Lord, how can I obey you? How can I live in such a way that you lived? Jesus was uh, out with his disciples and some kids were trying to get near him. And the disciples, his students, his apprentices, in the message it says they were shooing them away. Kind of like the pigeons that sometimes decide to come in here, right? Someone usually gets up and tries to like lead them out. So they were trying to do that with the kids. Especially in that society at that time, the kids weren't welcome. They were kind of in the way. Well, wait till you get older and you've got some armpit hair and then you count. But for now, you're kind of in the way. But Jesus said this. He said, no, 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 no. Let the kids come to me for the kingdom belongs to them. So if the kids matter to the Lord, then they need to matter to us. And they aren't just kids. I mean, we have, well, we don't have now because we don't need slides for this time. Um, usually in the message we have slides, but right now we don't. But if you notice the kids are doing everything, have you figured, okay, maybe they didn't do the music all by themselves. They could have. But the slides, they were being run by a kid. The offering passed by kids. The reading of the scripture by kids. Kids can do so much. We need to see them the way that God sees them. God doesn't see them as kids. He sees them as people. Teachable, open, vulnerable. So what we're going to do this morning, I've asked uh, them to um, throw them out some questions. The scripture that we read, oh, and, and they're selected for very special reasons. Um, mainly because I have their cell numbers. <laughs> and uh, one of them lives with me, so that made it kind of easy. So, uh, so here we are. This is actually, they, they, were, they were nominated by people on the staff who said, hey, these are the people we want to come. So uh, this is Brad, also known as uh, Brad Dad, because a lot of the families, he looks out for kids. He just kind of reaches out for them. But he, everyone that's up here grew up in a kids ministry or a youth ministry or a college ministry. And so he'll share some of his experience. But he works in the junior high uh, ministry. He's been doing that for the past few years. And then next to him is Lindsay, Lindsay Clark, and she uh, grew up going to church. Um, not her family, but she did. She went to a youth group. She'll share a little bit about that later, and then ended up being involved in Young Life. And as we were driving, I was driving um, my kids to go meet with her for breakfast. We all had breakfast way too early. And they said, oh, and she chose a career out of that. And it didn't click to me, but she works at Chalk of Orange, and she works as a child life specialist. So what she does is she helps kids to understand what's happening either to them or to their families in the hospital setting. And uh, man-child over here is um, the tallest person in my family. 
uh, Keaton, and he's been in junior high, and he's moving on into high school. And then next to him is Kristen Muir, who went to children's ministry at a church and youth ministry. And all three of the adults here, Lindsay works with the kids right now, Brad works with the junior hires, and Kristen has worked in Young Life, and she's going to work with our high schoolers. Um, so she'll be working with our high schoolers this fall. And then next to her is Lucy Hodge, who has been at Branches since, well, since you were like tiny. So she's been through the kids' ministry, through the junior high, and now she's a high schooler. So she's one of our big-time high schoolers. So they were all asked to come up here because they have an experience of what does it mean to be able to come and see. Because Jesus, as the scripture was read by Desmond, um, Jesus uh, was walking by and there were two men that were hungry. They were hungry. They, 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 they knew there was something missing. And John the Baptist told them as such. And he said, there goes the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And so these two men walked up to Jesus. They didn't know what to do. And so they just said, uh, where do you live? Which is what you do with rabbis. Where do you live? I want to see how you do life. So they walk with him, and as they're walking with him, they ask, where do you live? And this was Jesus' response. He said, come and see. And that's how it is for all of us. How do we see Jesus? How do we come to grow in our faith? We have to come and see. We have to watch. And so this is my question uh, for you guys. We'll see who gets to the mic first. Who or what? was the most influential experience for you to help you to come and see Jesus. And, and one of the things I told them ahead of time was not to give the church answers. For example, when Bryn was up here and she's asking all the kids, the kids always want to give the right answers. So if they don't know the answer, they just go, Jesus, because they figure that must be the right answer. So I told our group, I said, don't feel like you have to give the right answers, give the honest answers. So from your honest experience, what was one of or the most influential element that helped you to come and see Jesus? I don't like awkwardness of quietness, so I'll go. Um, for me, I was invited by a friend to come to youth ministry as a junior hire, so I had never been introduced to church before, um, but I had a friend that just asked if I wanted to go. And so it was on Tuesday nights and just having this area where we could be wild and crazy and have um, a great time and you were able to get out of your house and not do homework and um, be able to be with other fellow um, students. I think at that time you just really craved for those relationships. And then I was learning a different aspect of relationships um, through youth ministry and being able to go. And my parents were 100% supportive of me going, but I think having a youth ministry in a place that I could go even just during the week, because I might not make it necessarily on a Sunday because I would have been with my family doing other things, uh, that really opened a whole new world to me. I had no idea um, about who God was or uh, what a life living for him looked like. So I'd say that the most influential part of me growing up was being able to have a friend that did invite me and then being able to follow with that year after year and just kind of grow slowly. I think I grew really slowly in my faith just because it was so unknown. Um, so... Uh, it, took, it took a while, but I think without those 
ministries um, for kids as junior hires and high schoolers to be able to go to, I would have maybe not found him for a, a long time. So I'd say that was the most influential. You guys can fight each other to talk. You don't need me to call your names, but I will also call your name right now. Right, Keaton Rose? Yeah. How would you answer that question? <laughs> um, I'd probably, I'm a big advocate for camps and stuff, but probably I've been to a lot, but probably the one that influenced me the most was the recent one um, at Forest Home. Um, so what, that was, what was, explain to them what is Forest Home? And, well, basically Forest Home is, uh, it's just a, it's a church camp up in the mountains. Um, it does like family camps and junior high and high school and elementary. It's a pretty cool camp where they have like a bunch of leaders. There isn't really that much of a program, but it's all, it's a really big deal and there's a lot of, there's a lot of people that go up there. It's, it's pretty expensive, but it's pretty, it's an awesome camp and a good place to be. Cleared, um, out, cleared out your allowance? Yeah. Uh, well, when we, when we went up there this time, um, it was like the first time I really experienced where it was a camp where the people really cared about you and it was a, and it, it felt like that was where I was most connected to God and we felt like we were connected spiritually because at the other camps, it was more like, oh, like, cause after they do the big lesson, they have this thing called cabin time. And that was like, you're, you're not looking forward to cabin time. It's like three hours of sitting on the ground most of the time, talking together, but, um, but we, but at Forest Home, we were looking forward to it, and it was like a big deal. And we, we just looked. It was, a, it was really fun to go and talk to each other spiritually and connect to each other. Where at other camps, there wasn't that kind of connection, and it wasn't, it wasn't as connected as it was before. Now, when you said they cared, you mean the, the? I, I know some of these answers. So, um, did you mean the adults, or did you mean the kids cared? What, what was the, it that was the difference? The kids were, the kids sometimes they don't want to go to this camp, but the parents force them or they get recruited and they go anyways, and then they just don't want to be there. So they're, they just drag down on the other people that are actually trying to be there and want to go. So forcing them to go really isn't like a good option because unless they want to go, it's not going to make them, it's not going to make any effect. It's going to be pretty much worthless for them. Um, like I said, also, honesty. I told you, it's going to be straight honesty. But also, the, the leaders need to be able to be part of the group and not just like an onlooker or the big brother that's like looking, on, looking to them being their supervisor and making sure that they're the law and that nobody else, and that they're doing stuff that's fun and doing all that stuff, but they have to be connected to them like one of the guys or one of the girls or they have to be a part of the group. Thanks, Keith. So what else was some of the most influential things? Because like, we need to learn this. We need to learn how can we help the children and our youth to come and see Jesus. So what was it that made a difference for you? Christian? Um, it's a little bit more difficult because I feel like I can't pinpoint one person or one thing, but that makes me stoked because I felt like I always had 
somebody loving me, whether it was at church or Young Life or just a friend of our families. Um, I really felt like there was a, a, a lot of people investing in my life. And I had um, our youth group in high school had not only junior hires, but high schoolers and college. Like if we couldn't drive, they'd drive us places. Um, but they were investing in me and, and caring about me. Um, and I know that really shaped um, the decisions I made because um, I had such a, a good group of friends um, and, and a lot of people to look up to. Um, and now having kids, I want that for Coral and Levi. I want like not just church people or um, other things, but I want like so many people loving on them. Um, and so I think that's a, just a really practical way. Um, if you're a mom or, or not a mom or whatever, um, you're going to have people coming into your life and just to love on them will help shape them, help, um, just give them security and yeah, that was really powerful in my life. So. All right, Liz, I'm going to hit you with a question that you don't even know is coming right now. Because I know you can handle it. So I remember for my wife, when she was in elementary school, and she, uh, her, she spent the night at a friend's house, and then she kept going to church. And she said when she got there, it felt like home. So looking out at the faces right now, and you see, so some of these faces are really familiar, which faces, well, actually we'll put the names, your dad doesn't count, by the way, have made you feel home? And what have they done? So looking out, like you can call their names out, you know, say, that person did this, like specific ways, because we can talk about it in this distant way, but in a very right. specific way. Okay. Um, I think that one of them has to be Brynn Ridderquist, and she was, she like, every time I came here, she gave me a huge hug and like make me feel, made me feel like right at home every time and like did things with me like outside of church and everything. Um, another would have to be one of my best friends, Riley Goodfellow, and she's just, she comes with me every, like, we have sleepovers and we come to church after, because that's just what we do every, like, Saturday to Sunday, and we come together, and this is, like, our home, this is where we feel comfortable, where we love people, and we do that together. Um, also, everyone up here, they've been, played a big role in my life here, and Kristen's made me feel welcome, like, all the time. And yeah. Awesome. Okay, Keaton, you didn't know that question was coming either, but now you look out there and try to look to the back too, not just the people in the front row, but anywhere in there, people that have done something that has stuck out to you to make it feel like they want you here, like you're valued. Um, when I look out here, I see like a bunch of people that are really influential to me and they, it doesn't mean that they have to do something for me, but they're just here and they're here every day and I know them personally and they're, they're just here for me, I know that. Uh, probably like, I think that's BT in the back, I can see him, he's always, he's always around with us. And um, Keaton's uh, nearsighted, so if you're back there, you're just a fuzzy little yeah. face. Um, but they're like. So what did BT do, like what? Well, he always asks us, like, just asking like a simple question, like, hey, how's it going, or something like that. 
um, just like that simple conversation is like a big deal for us. And it's, it's not like, don't expect them to respond, but at least we know, <laughs> at least we know we, at least, at least, um, at least we know you guys care about us. Um, <laughs> uh, also like Topher in the back too, just, we always, we just, we can talk personally and that's, that's a big deal for, for junior hires, just to have somebody that you know is behind you. Not that you have to be able to converse with them like daily, but like just know that there's somebody there for you. Um, and Bryn in the front too, she's always here, always doing the stuff. That's like a big deal because we, we, we didn't, we wouldn't notice it, but she does all that stuff for us. Okay, so now it's your turn to be honest. We're not gonna hand mics out to you, but I'm gonna ask you a couple questions and you can uh, raise your hand, because if I told you to stand, you'd be too lazy to stand. So I'll have you do your hands. How many of you honestly get kind of afraid of some of the kids? Not, now I'm gonna go through elementary. Actually, we'll start with the babies, then we'll do elementary, then we'll do junior high, and then high school, and then college, okay? So how many of you are afraid of the babies? Like if someone came to hand you a baby, here, hold my baby, would just freak out. Raise your hand. Okay, now keep your hands up. That means all the rest of you, moms, if you have babies, they're all ready to go. They're all ready and raring to go. Okay, now we're going to go to elementary. How many of you see the elementary, especially when they start to be in packs, right? Because if they're all by themselves, it's like that wounded little gazelle off on its own. You don't feel scared, but now imagine them in packs. Babies don't travel in packs, but elementary kids... They start to figure it out. So how many of you see a pack of elementary kids, three or more, you like either try to go the other way or make sure you're protected? Raise your hands. Okay. All right, the rest of you, keep your hands up. The rest of you, Bryn, they are open to working with elementary kids. I'm just saying they didn't raise their hand. They're not afraid, so if they're not afraid, they're open. Okay, now we're getting to junior hires. You see a bunch of junior hires some facial hair, some crazy makeup things going, some crazy outfits. You see them in a pack, how many of you are scared of them? Raise your hands. Okay, hands are going up a little bit more. All right, now we'll move to high school. You see the high schoolers, they're walking down the street, or even worse, they're driving down the street. How many of you are frightened of them? Okay. So, many of you did not raise your hands. Straight up, I know it. But... It creates that fear and that boundary. One of the best things we can do to, to keep from being an obstacle is just as Keaton shared and Lucy shared, just to interact with them, just to say hi. And they may not respond back. They may look away. There was a junior hire that came in today for the first time, and I was walking her to where the junior hires was. She did not want to look me in the eye. <laughs> and, but I've seen this enough to know it doesn't matter what they do towards us. It matters how we react towards them. Okay, so we have three here, adults, that have made a decision to work with kids, youth, in some form or another. Okay, I'd ask you why, so you can answer that, the why, but also what, Brad asked a good question a while ago, what's your mission statement? So what is your mission statement with working with the kids? What are you hoping to give them? What are you hoping to offer up? Because it's probably not you're going to get a whole lot back. Uh, you know, as you shared, you, you realized maybe this morning for the first time how much was sacrificed for you by your leaders. But why do this? And what are you hoping comes out of it? Brad? 
So simply, um, like my main mission statement is just helping kids find their worth and letting them know they're valuable and cared for and loved. And um, for me, the best way to do that is just being consistent and showing up. Um, works long and like we have Monday small or Monday youth groups from 6:30 to 9:30 or 6:30 to 9, um, and I just show up. And a lot of times I'm tired and um, work's not the funnest, but it's been so impactful just to see the change and the growth. Um, and so, like my mission statement as a whole is helping people find their worth through love and logic. So I want to love them first, and then I want them to help them grow in their faith um, through the word and answering questions and just giving them a good, solid foundation. My problem is um, I'm not super, like, biblically sound necessarily. Um, I went to Point Loma, so I had a few classes. Um, but there's a lot of questions I don't know the answers to, so it's been humbling to say, like, yeah, I don't know that one. I don't know that one. Um, or they'll know questions I don't know the answers to. That always makes me feel really good. Um, so it's, it's been fun, but my default is just to love them and care for them, try to make them laugh, um, try to um, let, them, let them know they're important, and um, help them learn from my mistakes. Uh, I try to be as relatable as possible thinking about junior high and the good stuff and the bad stuff that I did in high school and the good stuff and the bad stuff and um, hoping that I can maybe save them from making mistakes that just make life a little more challenging than it has to be. Life's hard enough as it is, so if I can save them one little misstep, then that's a win for me. But a lot of times I go home just going like, that was a mess. Uh, <laughs> but that's just like... I had to lead one recently. It was just, I had this great game, and it just was a bomb. And I just had everybody screaming, like 30 kids, and just like, man, this is awesome. <laughs> but you win some, you lose some. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't have a mission statement like that, that's for sure. That is amazing, and definitely now a goal of mine after we kind of talked about it. But um, for me, I'll kind of change it into work. So um, I really want to make the hospital experience uh, less scary and that they're cared for and they know that someone's on their side while they're at the hospital. So I'm kind of like a safe zone. Um, so that kind of goes into how I work with the ministry also is that's my goal to make them feel safe and make them know that someone cares for them. And I have the best intentions for what they're going through. So I get the unique um, ability to hang out with kids one-on-one -on -one inside the hospital and just care specifically for what they're going through at that time. So say, for instance, it's surgery or an IV, I get to just care for them each where they're at individually. And that ends up going into also, you know, coming here and helping out with the preschoolers uh, once a month and then just being able to meet them each where they are. Um, but as a group, it's controlled chaos is what I like to call it. Um, but I'm there to love on each of them and I want them to come back and know who I am and them, you know, um, know that I am there because I, I care. So it's the same way that it kind of goes along. So I'd say in general with the kids, I really wanted to get in just so they feel loved and safe and cared for. 
Christine? Yeah, I definitely um, am drawn to kids and junior highers and high schoolers because I'm, I'm, I just am. Um, but also, um, like, I look out here, and it's so funny because Phil Hong was a big part of my, like, I mean, the guy just showed up, picked us up, took us surfing, you know, invested in me, and now he's sitting here and he has kids like my same, you know, my kids same age, and it's, that's, that's so rad. Like, we can just, I can just, um, you know, be, invite kids into my house or um, show up at the high school, you know, um, and run with girls or whatever that looks like. It's just um, being able to just be, there and be honest and um, just be a little bit more, um, have a little more life than, you know, gone through a few more things um, and be available um, if they have questions or um, are going through things. Um, I want to be there for them like those were there for me um, because, yeah, I always had someone to that I knew really, really cared about me and that made a big big impact on me, so. All right, teens, kids, your turn to ask questions to them. Whatever question you want to ask them. Um, we, when we were talking about this before, I asked this question. It turns out I was already on the questions, but I didn't notice. Um, <laughs> um, who was the person that most uh, drew, drew you to Christ or who most made you who was like a big influence in your life to become closer to Christ, like through um, them, like your mentor, basically? Yeah, for me, it was um, kind of stages. So junior high, we had a couple um, like small group leaders at church that were very impactful. High school, we had one guy named Brian Blaine that walked through us from freshman year to senior year, and there was five of us. Um, he kind of like, he was like a man's man, um, took us camping to Mammoth and, um, you know, taught us how to fillet fish and challenged us to jump in the lake and just like, um, was just a good guy um, to answer questions and be there for us. That was super helpful. Um, and then friends. I think friends for me were probably the most impactful because that was the most consistent thing that came through. So it wasn't necessarily the leaders. They gave us a foundation, but the friends is what kind of helped push me to grow and um, make good decisions at the time. All right, Luce, what question do you have? Okay, so. My question was, what was your biggest regret in high school for your spiritual life and like what hindered your, your faith with God? And yeah. Trying to wait it out. They're waiting you out. I loved your answer that you did it earlier though, that's why. Yeah, so my, my, my regret was like, I was a like really judgmental, I think, um, looking back on it. We had a really um, pretty conservative church growing up. And so Young Life was something actually my parents were involved with at the time. And the, um, I thought Young Life was just a terrible thing. Um, the guys that went to Young Life 
would, would kick people's butts. Like at Dana Hills, they were like the scariest guys. Um, I think half of them went to jail after camp. Um, and then those half actually at branches now. They, yeah. That half that went to jail is now. Yeah, it's like full circle. Now like I'm friends with a couple of them. But before I was just like, this ministry makes zero sense. Like, you want me to show up and like get my butt kicked? Um, I was just afraid of them, straight up. And we had a good, good group of guys that I was with. Um, but I think I totally missed out, especially coming um, full circle. I went to college, and then I became a Young Life leader. And then I showed up to, uh, we did a snowboard trip, and I'm showing up to Utah. I have my Young Life kids with me, and it's like one kid smoking, one kid's cussing, one kid's got some obnoxious shirt on, and we just looked like not cool. And my church shows up that I used to go to to the same place, and they're all like prim proper and um, you know have the nicest snowboards and all that stuff. And I was so stoked to spend time with these kids um, and watch them grow and watch them wrestle, and um, it made me appreciate the battle that they were going through and um, the wisdom that they had amidst the cigarettes and the bad words. There was like a, a rawness and a purity in that. And um, it just made me think back that I missed opportunities to, to get to know people in high school because of some of the preconceived notions I had. So I don't want you to make that mistake. Like just because somebody acts different or does different doesn't mean they don't have a lot to offer. And um, that took me to get to college to kind of figure that out. Um, so, really but don't smoke. Out. Don't ever smoke. <laughs> <laughs> really bad for you. Christian, what would, what would be your answer for Lucy as the, the biggest regret that you have looking back in your kid years or teenage years that you could help her to avoid? Um, I guess I think of all the people I could have invited. I mean, I did invite a lot of people to come to church or Young Life or camp or whatever, but there was so many experiences that I, um, I guess kind of like what Brad said, you know, like maybe if they weren't my closest friends or um, I just regret not inviting them into like the life that, um, that I knew who, you know, um, who God is and, um, and so I regret not, like, just pulling them in and saying, like, you've got to check this out um, because you guys have, like, a lot of people around you. I mean, it's one thing for, like, us to minister to you, but, like, a peer, you know, like someone your own age um, saying, like, hey, check this out. Like, this is really awesome. I think makes a really big um, difference. And that there's so much security when you have those deep friendships, too, you know? So just... Um, yeah, just inviting other people to, into your life, just whatever you're doing. And um, yeah, I think that's a big, big deal. Uh, it's, it's so unfortunate we keep running out of time. Um, but you guys are cool to stay another hour, right? You got nowhere to be. Um, and I'm sure the people back working with the kids, Brent, they, they, they could handle the kids for another hour. Oh, sign people we could send. Yeah, so half of you could go back and they'll come forward. Uh, I want to close with this. In fact, let's, can we thank the panel? They're going to go sit down now. And I'll invite the uh, worship team up because they've got to set up because we just demolished their entire area. So we'll do our best to put things back in place for them. 
Um, but I want to share with you to, to close us up. So is anyone here? Very few of you probably, I'm not even asking the question because so few of you probably heard of who this person is. But this was a very influential person in your life, whether you know it or not. His name was uh, D.L. Moody. And uh, he lived in the 1900s and was a huge influence for the church and for faith. And so he went and spoke a revival. They don't do too many of those nowadays. We've got the Harvest Crusade and things like that. It doesn't seem to fit the culture as much here in the United States. But it happens all over the world. And it's where we call people to follow Christ. And so he did a smaller revival. And when he came back, they said, oh, how was it? He goes, it was an amazing night. He said, two and a half people made decisions to follow Jesus. And they're like, oh, two adults and one kid? He's like, oh, two kids and one adult. And the reason he said it, and he explained it to him, he said, when you get an adult, you're getting someone, you're, they're halfway through their life. But when you get a kid, they get to live their life to the fullest the way God designed it to be. They say between 80 and 85% of the people that make a decision to follow Christ do so before the age of 18. And 50% of those make, the, make that decision before the age of 12. That's why here at Branches it's so important to us. It's why it's such a focus for us to pour in to our children. It's where most of our time and most of our budget goes, most of our focus is on those kids because they're a full person. They have a full life ahead of them. Um, we're going to take communion, and then after communion, uh, Jim and I are going to come up. He's going to give us an update on the finances, and then I'm going to share with you uh, about Operation Youth, which is a focus of ours here at Branches to do more for our kids. So um, let me pray for us. Father, guide and direct us. Open our eyes to what you see and how you see things. Above all, Lord, we want to learn how to follow you and as our teen said, to come to know you. So Lord, show us how to do that. You say that uh, if we obey you, then you will come and make your home with us. And that's what we want more than anything, Lord. So show us what it is that you want us to obey. And especially for this morning as we focus on how can we care for the kids, not just here at Branches, but the kids, the kids in our area, the kids around the world. How do we do that? We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So our focus is to continue to do what God's called us to. Our focus is not to exist. It's not to keep the doors open. It's to obey the Lord as long as he'll allow us and to gather to worship, not just on Sundays, but worship with our life. And as we talked about today, um, we didn't know when we were going to share this, and then we realized, oh, Youth Sunday's coming up, so let's just share it on Youth Sunday. So we waited a few weeks to share this with you, but uh, we call it Operation Youth. Um, there were some very unique names that we decided, that we looked at. Um, is Kim, Kim, what was the one, I, I can't remember it, the one that your mom came up with? No, no, with the S-O, that was the marriage one? Well, let's share the marriage one, just because these are some of the goofy names we came up with. What was Sweetheart, I'm putting you on the spot and you're drawing a blank, aren't you? All right, when it comes to you later, I'll tell you later. So Operation Youth is the one we decided for, and this is our goal. This is what we're asking of you here at Branches. For those that are gone on, we have a bunch of people that left for vacation, 
and we have a couple retreats gone. So on the podcast, this is what we're asking. We're looking for, we call it the 20, 30, 40. We're looking for 20 people to start working with the kids or the youth that weren't doing it before. So we're looking for 20 people that would commit to at least once a month to serve either the, the babies or the preschool or the junior high or the high school or even college to serve those youth. Uh, 30 people praying weekly. Now, it's one thing to say, oh, will you pray? Sure, I'll pray. And then, you know, no one ever prays. So when we say pray, it means to be on a team that will pray every Friday. If you want to choose a different day, we could talk about that. But we're talking about Friday, where you would pray on Friday. We would send out a list of, of what to pray for um, and that you would choose to fast at some time during that day. You can fast a meal. You can fast all three meals. You could fast coffee. You could fast working out, if that's you're addicted to it. Uh, if you're like, oh, I'll totally give that up. I never even started. That doesn't count. It needs to be something that you do that you're going to give up to and then use that time to pray for individual kids, for leaders. And then also, because of things like camp and uh, staffing, we're, we're going to try to raise $40,000 above and beyond what people normally give. So, for example, a few of us have, you know, pulled money aside, sold things, whatever, to give to this Operation Youth so that we can reach that 40000 goal. Without even telling everybody, just kind of word of mouth, we're already, at, I think, uh, $8,000 of that 40000 So that is our goal, 20, 30, 40. We're going to give you more. We'll keep reminding people, especially people that aren't here right now. But that's what we're trying to do because of what we shared this morning. We believe in this. We're not just talking about it. We believe it. And we believe Christ has called us to care for our youth. And um, I'm going to close with these last words. It is, it is our hope that every kid that walks through that door or comes through here or comes during the week or goes to a camp feels at home. And we all play a part in that to make them realize, no, this is your home. So let's pray for them. Father, we pray for the full lives of the kids and ask that you would give us what it takes to go where you want us to go and give us the courage because it takes courage because these kids are scary. So Father, we ask for courage to love and care for them. And for those that were influenced uh, in kids ministry and youth ministry or college ministry before that you would give them the courage to come back to the pool and to share with the others that are at the pool about this good news of who you are that you gave your only son so that we could have life and have it to the full. We ask that they would know this one thing, your reckless love for them. And all of God's people said, amen.